hey guys, check it out. I got this awesome Christmas present for the show that you will not believe. Oh, what is it? Let me see. Yeah, let's well, let's find out. <laughs> this is great. He's a mogwai. He's like this little, um, I don't know, this little furry dude. What the? I've never seen anything like this. I, I didn't know something like this was possible in our reality. Wow, what a jellical little guy. <laughs> yeah, when I saw him in the store, I just couldn't pass him up. But the guy I bought him from, he said that there are some really specific rules that you have to follow when you own a Mogwai. Oh, yeah? What are three of them? <laughs> so first off, you can't get them in sunlight or they will just burst in the flames. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, it's real bad. It's like most of God's holy creatures. Okay. Also, never get them wet. Apparently, if you get them wet, these suckers start to multiply like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so they can't ever bathe. Yeah, that's right. Safe, moral creatures die when they make contact with water. And the last and most important thing is you can't feed them after midnight or they'll turn into, like, basically little demon monsters. Wait, midnight in what time zone? Uh, you know, he didn't say. Oh, boy. Oh, well, you know, uh, I'm looking it up here. <laughs> in and it says that you also can't show Mogwai certain types of movies. Like, you can't show them slasher films because it gives them too many ideas. Oh, that's horrifying to consider. Oh, you know, I'm also looking this up on the internet, and it says here that you can't let them listen to acid jazz, or they will emit an ear-piercing screech that will shatter the world? I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah, me neither. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm i not even sure when jazz becomes acid jazz. At what point that evolution takes place. Good point. We should probably just have a strict no jazz policy. Yeah, fair enough. Just to be safe. It's not worth the risk. Jazz, never worth the risk. <laughs> not even once. Satan! <laughs> <laughs> Ho, 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 fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn holly jolly low fantasy into festive high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Molkel. My pronouns are he and him, and I am here with my monstrous co-hosts. Monstrous. My name is Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them. And I'm a Christmas carol. Excuse me. I'm a holiday carol. Very nice. And yeah, it's not the kind that you would normally expect. It's all about following the rules. Or if you break them, not getting caught. So let me, I just want to make sure we clarify here. You are not a Christmas caroler. 
You are a Christmas carol. Holiday carol, please. Sorry. <laughs> you are not a holiday caroler. You are a holiday carol. Yes. You are the song that is sung by a caroler. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that makes sense. Conceptual. Yeah. Exactly. Cass is more like a vibe. Mm-hmm. Following the rules are at least appearing to be. <laughs> and if you break them, don't get caught. That's the gist. That's uh, words to live by, kids. That's right. And speaking of mystical holiday rules, I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are any and all. I'll take what you can give. Take what you got. Exactly. Especially during the holiday season. Yes. But sometimes I'm known as Schmampelwauser. Okay. All right. A holiday demon. Oh, shit. That comes after parents who record prank gifts given to their children. Oh, very nice. So you're finally getting some uh, justice for those yeah. poor kids. Somebody's got to keep those fuckers accountable. That's right. Jimmy Kimmel was the spark that ignited my existence. Through the pain his pranks have caused, I have been born. Wow. So are you going to punish Kimmel first? Oh, uh, no, because he's like my father. Oh, I see. That so makes you're, sense. So the feeling of schadenfreude is what helped you come into being. That's right. And for those of, of you who don't know, that's a German emotion. For... <laughs> Germans have all kinds of emotions yeah. that we don't get here. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and it's taking pleasure in others' pain, which is what the parents are doing. I thought it was taking schade in others' freude. <laughs> That's right. Spankleasser is the demon of Schadenfreude. <laughs> Spankleiser. Yes. I have questions, but I'm afraid we don't have time to answer them all because we are here to talk about a Christmas film. Oh, shit. A holiday film. Because we are here to talk about a holiday film. Yes. Get it right <laughs> or pay the price. It's, it, yeah, okay. I was going to say, it's funny because, like, Traditionally, as a pagan, Christmas is not like my whole thing. But in recent years, Christmas has kind of become my whole thing regardless. By the way, I didn't want to let that slide. I was repeating a line from Salute Your Shorts. What's that? Get it right or pay the price. Oh, I missed that. Mm -hmm. Classic show. I yep. salute my shorts. <laughs> Somebody needs to. Yeah. <laughs> so this week, we are going to be talking about a classic film. And figuring out why it's a classic and if it should be a classic. That's right. We are going to be talking about 1984's Gremlins. That's when I was born. So, I mean, this movie has got a good vintage. That means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good year. So, uh, before we get into it, though, let's go over some technical specs. This movie was directed by Joe Dante, written by Chris Columbus of Home Alone fame. And it stars... Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, and Hoyt Axton. Now, I know we have a lot to say about these uh, terrifying little creatures who, who were also played by somebody, right? The voice of the... Howie Mandel? That's right. The voice is of, one of them. Gizmo yeah. is Howie Mandel. That makes sense. But before we get too much into that, we should probably listen to Cass's well-prepared summary. So this is a classic holiday movie 
about a dad who wants to buy his kid a special gift for the holidays. Oh, how sweet. He's a poor inventor, but he can throw down $200 for a furry beast of the like that he's never seen before. Now, does him being a poor inventor imply the existence of non-poor inventors? Because I've never seen one of those in a movie. True. Oh, that's not true. I've seen Iron Man. (laughs) You can tell he's poor by his two-story house and child and dog and spouse. I mean, this is the 80s. (laughs) Right. He, I guess he makes enough money so that the mom doesn't have to work. No, Billy is making all the money. We oh, find yeah, out. he supports the family. He's able to support his entire family with a job at the bank. Forgot about that. Yeah, Billy is the inventor's son. He's a fucking bank teller and he can afford a three-story suburban house and, I guess, food for three and a dog? Yeah. Wow. They don't seem to be stressing about money too much. Imagine being able to afford... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the end of my sentence. Yeah. They live in Vermont. I don't know what that means, but. Is this in Vermont too? Wednesday's in Vermont. Is this one in Vermont? Oh, I thought that's what we saw. Let's Vague America. America. Somewhere where it snows. <laughs> yes. So not California. Yeah. Well. Kingston Falls, Pennsylvania. Aha. I missed that. Very important to the plot. Probably, so- you know, that means it's somewhat <laughs> close to. The native, uh, that means it's somewhat close to the ancestral home of friend of the show, Casey Cannon. Oh, true, true. I don't actually know if Kingston Falls is a real place in Pennsylvania or what part of the state it is in, but, you know, close enough to Casey. So, the dad doesn't think his kid has enough responsibility in his life, and that's why he gets him a new pet uh, so that he has even more responsibility uh, over the life and death of another living being. Dad just sees that Billy has too much disposable income <laughs> for from his bank teller job supporting his two parents and his dog in Middle America. Yeah. Well, not Middle America. No, it's on the East Coast. In East Coast suburb America. <laughs> I wanted to get you a cheap pet like a demon. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you can't feed them, I guess they're cheaper. Yeah. And this gift comes with rules and obligations. Uh, oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, Billy didn't have enough of those. By um, the way, uh, come Easter, don't buy your kids a bunny unless you're going to actually have them raise the fucking bunny. That's a real problem, apparently. Oh, God. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. So just just don't. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just imagining kids releasing a bunny into their kid's room and closing the door and you just hear the kids screaming <laughs> from behind the door. <laughs> You hold it closed. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think the problem is that they realize that a bunny's not an easy pet to have, and then they no. like abandon them. I'm just like, fuck that. Oh, that's terrible. I know it sucks. They abandon their kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather have the bunny myself. <laughs> just too much work to take care of both. Apparently, yeah. according to um, the Urban Rescue Ranch, that happens with ducks a lot too. Yes. Oh yeah. Just take care of pets and donate to animal shelters and... That's our PSA for the show, the episode. I don't know. Don't be a dick. Be cool. <clears throat> Love your neighbor or something. Wow. That's a tall order, Jamie. True. Um, our neighbors are cool. So let's go over <laughs> some of the rules that this demon, I mean the Mogwai, uh, has. Now, uh, can you remind me what Mogwai means, Jack? 
I'm just fact-checking it right now. <laughs> okay. We're professional podcasters, folks. Mogwai is a translation of the Cantonese word, which means monster, evil, spirit, devil, or demon. Boy, Gizmo's cute. What a little guy! Yeah, that it makes sense because <clears throat> the dad went to their local Chinatown, which is a segregated neighborhood for Chinese immigrants. Oh, where are we talking about race in this episode? Yeah. And class struggle. Um, well, every episode. Yeah. And he goes to a curio shop. I love those. That he calls a Chinese junk shop. Oh, Jesus Christ. And that's where he found the little demon. His name is Gizmo, and he is adorable. Apparently, we find out later that Gizmo understands Cantonese, which is pretty dope. But um, here we go. So, some of the rules. Uh, he hates bright light. Me too. But he will actually die in sunlight. So you can't get, take him out in sunlight. Same. Like blessed things, like vampires. Right. <laughs> uh, you can never get him wet. They aren't told why. But we find out why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But instead of cleansing, being a cleansing thing, it's something that is bad. <laughs> Um, and you can never feed him after midnight, but it's not clear in what time zone <laughs> that originated from. I figure it's a witching hour type thing. Yeah, could be. Since it's a mystical beast, it must be like magical and like it just fits whatever time zone you're in. Yeah. This is fantasy, so it doesn't totally have to make sense, I guess. We're going to need to get this to make sense. So, uh... It's not really stressed that these rules are actually to avert something incredibly dangerous. So Billy doesn't realize how important it is to follow them. He's like, ah, you know, a little bit of spilled water, a little bit of food after midnight, whatever. He doesn't intentionally do either of those things, but you know, movie logic. Yeah, so of course something goes wrong. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because we wouldn't have a movie without that. That's right. So, yeah, uh, his friend, uh... Pete. Pete. Also, uh, the neighborhood Cory. Yeah. Uh, accidentally spills a little paint water on Gizmo. And five new little demons pop out of his back and grow from little fur balls. Let's see, $200 a pop. Oh, not bad, not bad. This is how, uh... Billy's going to help to afford rent this month. Well, that's what Rand, his father, is thinking. He immediately wants to commodify them. Um, Capitalism, baby. Then they end up, yeah, eating food after midnight because they're smart. And uh, they trick Billy. They're not just smart. They are devious. Yeah. They unplugged his alarm clock. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they transform into these... Like uber demons called gremlins. Flesh monsters. Oh, goblinoid beings. They're kind of. Goblin bean? <laughs> yes. They're kind of mischievous, you know? Um, not totally dangerous unless you hurt them first. Um, I, I guess they're like about as tame as like a bar or as like your average bar patrons because phoebe cates just serves them at the bar when they show up yeah like a little rowdy 
earlier when they first emerge and things are going wrong in the house, they're like doing mischievous things like eating the cookies, like stringing the dogs up in the lights, although that was cruel. Um, yeah, fuck that. And like fucking with the music and the lights and stuff. And the mom's like, murder. I was going to say, Billy's mom does not fucking put up with this shit for one second. She just brutally murders all of them. I'm going to need a prequel backstory that explains where Billy's mom became an absolute murder machine. I know. Her first instinct when she sees these gremlins in her kitchen is just like, find some horrendous ways to kill them. Yes. Um, Let's just say gremlin soup is on the menu tonight. <laughs> I found it to be very unsettling. Um, Billy helps her get out of the house. One of the gremlins escapes and finds its way to the local pool, jumps on in there and creates a gremlin army. It's Stripe, right? Yeah. He's called Stripe <sighs> because he has a white mohawk. They hang out in the bar for a while. Uh, I mean, it's Christmas. That's when Kate <laughs> is serving them, which is crazy <laughs> is her name kate yeah phoebe kate plays a character named kate yeah kate um, feeds <laughs> <laughs> and uh billy helps her escape from there eventually and then the gremlins go and watch uh snow white and the seven dwarves in the local theater for some reason i mean i would do that that sounds like fun i haven't seen that movie in years they yearn for the mines <laughs> um between all that stuff... They're kind of dwarven. They're kind of a beard all over their body. A little bit. Between all that stuff, they kind of cause havoc in other places. Like, they kill the local uh, spinster rich lady that's lording her wealth over everyone. You know what? All of a sudden, I'm on the gremlin side. That's Mrs. Deagle. They fuck with the cops. <laughs> I restate my point. They end up killing a scientist who is experimenting on one of them. It's really hard to see the gremlins as the bad guys here. I know. Yeah, and then uh, while they're all enjoying themselves in the movie theater, uh, Billy and Kate explode them all in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real inglorious bastards. Stripe had left to go get candy, and he turns around with the candy heading back to the theater and he looks devastated while all of his children are being killed inside. Jesus, this movie is dark. Yeah. And uh, he tracks them down. So at this point it's a revenge plot and yeah. Stripe is the protagonist. And he gets them to follow him to a local department store. He's trying to take them out one by one. But unfortunately, he fails, and Gizmo helps them like shine shine sunlight on him, which makes him melt into a horrible pile of goo. If you ever played Super Metroid, it's like the uh, monster in the lava, or seen what happens when you open the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. I did that last week. <laughs> oh, really? Was it a good read? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was fine. 
Oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. If you don't look whenever all the spirits come out of it. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, kind of old. I mean, like, at the time, it was really revolutionary, but yeah. it's pretty it's pretty archetypal these days. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, they go back home with Gizmo, and... um. I laugh because, like, isn't Gizmo, like, the usual name that people will, like, missay for somebody else's name? Oh, maybe. I don't know. And then um, joke from something. the old man who owned the curio shop comes and finds them and comes and takes Gizmo back. <laughs> He's like, you motherfuckers are not responsible enough to own a demon. Yeah, he throws their money on the ground. He's like, I don't want your fucking paper. <laughs> Give me my demon back. Yeah, uh, He was like, you aren't even responsible enough to take care of the earth. How can you be responsible to take care of this living being? You've devastated the earth around us with your ways. <laughs> your capitalist mm-hmm. ways. I'm it- taking my demon back. Also, you destroyed the environment. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just taking it totally devastated. <laughs> it's okay. They'll be back for a sequel. And, uh, yeah, that's when Gizmo and the old man are speaking Cantonese to one another, which is cool. And, uh, Yeah. Howie Mandel actually learned Cantonese for the role. Did he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the old man goes back to probably his neighborhood in a cab, and that's about it. <laughs> wow. I did not like the the vibe of that last <laughs> statement. Yeah, well, neither did I. <laughs> He goes back where he belongs. That's that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to get into it. We should probably head into the delve. Welcome to The Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Gremlins. Now, guys, I gotta tell you something. In this film, Steven Spielberg plays a man on a recumbent bicycle. Oh, shit. I didn't notice that. It's the most important thing I have to say. He's a cum bike? (laughs) (laughs) Podcast over. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's the last joke, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really really out of context for the film yeah but, when but i works. used to watch this movie when i was a kid i was just like oh yeah all the like racist segregation stuff went over my head and <laughs> yeah I, I would imagine so i was just like oh it's a fun like holiday monster movie yeah just a fun little romp where we have a character who's screaming about how we need to keep the foreigners out of our country and uh, i never really paid attention to him i it, i just it went in one ear and out the other i swear to god so i i did not care about that character i just wanted to get to the fun parts um i just wanted to get to the part where phoebe cates talks about her father's death dude yes that was insane um <laughs> this watch through it was all i could fucking see <laughs> I mean, was the racist stuff <laughs> <laughs> not? It was really clear, like it has never been when we watched through it this time. Yeah, yeah. 
just immediately he it's just automatically the dad is like oh yeah i made my way into that there chinatown area so i could find something unusual for my kids so yeah othering and um exoticizing yeah culture i mean having a chinatown that's fine but the dad's attitude about it also, it's interesting because it's like, I mean, maybe he's not in their town. Maybe it's like a nearby town because this is like a main street town. This is like a one street town. And then they have this like bustling Chinatown. I'm assuming that it's in like another city nearby. Probably. The dad does kind of travel. Yeah, he does. I mean, in the shop, the shop sellers or the shop owners like grandson speaks with a full American accent. And also the shop owner... <laughs> Just sounds like an American guy speaking, like, in a broken accent, which I'm like, oh, boy. Yeah. Like, I think they just got a dude who's just, like, a Chinese-American dude, and they're like, uh, can you talk in a way that will be conceived of as racist in the near future, and also is racist, because that's how this works. Uh, no, I'm actually pretty uncomfortable with that. What if we pay you? <laughs> ah, yes. I'm an expert at this. I mean, this was unfortunately very common at the time. Yeah. If you want to know more, go back and listen to our recent episode on everything, everywhere, all at once. That's right. And so the dad goes into this antique shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he calls it a junk shop. I, I'm right. assuming the he calls it a Chinese junk shop. This coming from the guy who built the, like, brick that you carry around <laughs> with a toothbrush and a toothpick. It's like a Swiss Army knife, but useless. I know. <laughs> Maybe all of more his, useless. None of his inventions work. It's all junk. It mostly just spooges all over him. Yeah, it's and the bathroom, calls, buddy, he that calls, comes. He calls this shop that has all of these, like, amazing artifacts and hand-carved things and... All these neat cultural items, and he and he's like, it's a junk shop. Yeah, you know, cool old stuff like junk. Yeah, it's full of antiques. He's like, yeah, it's junk. Is any of it real? And they're like, yeah, it's all real. He's like, all right, well, you know what else is real? This shitty invention I made. Let me <laughs> shut it off. You want to buy this? It's like, all right, man. <laughs> Please don't roast my store and try to sell me something. Like, I respect Rand's, like, inventive ingenuity. What did you just say his name was? Rand? He's, no. He's yeah. named after the Wheel of Time guy? <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing he's not named after the Wheel of Time guy. The it's Rand. A, it's a his name is for, Randall. Yeah, it's a nickname for Rand. Oh, thank God. <laughs> not Rand Althor or whatever. The Randlands. Yeah. No, yes, oh boy. So, yeah, he's very disrespectful to their shop and what they do. And it feels very pointed because they're Chinese. I could be wrong, but that's just kind of how I read it this time. And uh, it kind of... Juxtapose this to other Chris Columbus movies that are mostly just white people. (laughs) Yeah. He also lets us know that Western culture is destructive to the environment at the end of the film. Unlike Chinese culture. Yeah, that's that's how that works. Yeah. Also, like I just realized the connection. Oh, Chris Columbus made a culturally insensitive film? The guy named after Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, the environmental message at the end. 
Where he's like, it's oh, tacked on. how yeah. can I expect you to take care of this devil that I've summoned when you <laughs> when you are destroying the world? The It came out of nowhere, that's, like you were saying. That's not fair, Jack. He probably didn't summon the demon. He probably just found it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All pervasive capitalism uh, is a major theme in this. Like, everything is seen as a commodity. That's fair. Uh, when the old man who runs the shop tries to tell Rand that the Mogwai isn't for sale, he won't take no for an answer. Yeah. He figures he's just trying to like run a hard bargain on him. Yeah, he Rand doesn't understand a world where something is so precious that you can't put a dollar amount on it. Or that something is so dangerous you can't put a dollar amount yeah. on it. It's so dangerous that irresponsible people should not own it. Dude, Amagwai is seriously like a weapon of mass destruction. It's just... It's it like, is. A, yeah. One Mogwai creates an army of Mogwai that destroy the town. I know. It's a mini apocalypse. Um, Localized. But the grandson who ends up selling Rand the Mogwai, he does it against his grandfather's wishes because... Uh, he says they need the money. So they're they're marginalized. They're pushed into these neighborhoods where, like, the only place where they could probably set up shop. Now let's just pull this mask off and see who is behind it. Oh, uh, class struggle. It was you all along. <laughs> and they're put into a position where the grandson, you know, thinks they need to just sell anything they can to get by. Even if it's another intelligent living being. The Mogwai is an intelligent being. It, it can understand language. It can speak I language. Mean, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are other animals that can understand language, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah it can speak. It is capable of having <laughs> hopes and dreams. Yeah. They're capable of driving little toy cars. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, we will find out that they are capable of making bows and arrows out of paper clips, rubber bands, and pencils that they light on fire and shoot at their, I guess, children. Also, we're only, like, making inferences about, like, Gizmo right now. The gremlins have, like, clothes. And, yeah. like, gender roles. It's true. Games. Like, forms of torture they've come up with. Bar songs? Yeah. Oh, I just realized Gizmo is what Laszlo calls Gilmo on What We Do in the Shadows. That's oh. why I thought it was like a gag name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about the portrayal of the gremlins because it is unfortunately the elephant in the room. Oh, yeah. That's also racist. <laughs> Thank you, Cass. That is what I'm getting at. Yeah. The elephant in the room is racist? <laughs> It is, isn't it always? <laughs> I I feel like elephants are are good. Those folks. racist fuckers. <laughs> so, they are they are definitely vindictive. Remember the story of the elephant who, <laughs> who hunted down a woman after she died and like <laughs> and crashed her funeral yeah, and like I do. pulled her body out of the casket and desecrated it. Yeah. <laughs> the loathsome like, dung fuck eater. you in particular. Never um, piss off an elephant is what I'm saying. Dude, you can just be walking by an elephant when it's in the wrong mood. Have you seen what they do to rhinos? 
They're we'll mining. They're minding their own goddamn business. And the elephant just comes over and yeah, flips it. It'll do that to Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, man. Isn't this just what Stampy did in The Simpsons? Hey, rhinos and elephants, there aren't a lot left of either of them. They should work together. Yeah, to take down the humans. Yeah. And and some animals are just jerks. Stop that, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> so, the gremlins. It has been argued, and in my elder wisdom, I believe I can see a very strong case for them being portrayed in a caricatured version of blackness right i didn't see that i see that now that it's been pointed out to me but when we were watching the movie i thought it was like a racist dig at like any immigrant yeah i mean i can see that too but there are some particular markers that just all taken together are troubling Right. The first of which, as is pointed out in the show, Dear White People, is that they turn into monsters after eating fried chicken. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but it, it I see that now. And like, okay, that on its own is like, well, it could have been any food. Like, maybe this is a choice. Then they have the dark sunglasses and the cabbie hats that were popular with black youth in the 80s. The 80s. I, I didn't know that. There's an entire scene where they are like in a movie theater, basically just heckling and yeah. like chattering the whole time. And they use like a lot of slang, right? Mm-hmm. Do they speak? Yeah. They do. They speak a lot. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Somehow I missed that. Yeah. It's not a good look taken together is my point. So I just didn't feel like we could talk about this movie without bringing up the fact that there is a good chance that this movie contains some fairly overt racism. Yeah. Exotic Chinese magics. Farmers complaining about immigrants and stereotyped monsters. Wow, we should have saved this conversation for the end to bum us out. <laughs> no. As we get into ratings. No, we're saving the dad until the end. Oh, you're right. We are saving Phoebe Cates' dad story. For oh the my end. God, you're right. No, Kate Phoebe's dad. <laughs> <laughs> but if we can examine the film for its merits as well, mm-hmm. I would like to pose a question to you all okay this movie came out in 1984 and was something of a hit it is a bit more than like a cult classic right i feel like this is a pretty well received movie that spawned a (laughs) spawned very appropriate for the film a litany of other movies that weren't as good as this one (laughs) yes a Mm -hmm. series of similar Movies like Ghoulies and Gremlins and no wait not Gremlins uh go- Goblin uh, what are oh the- my god there's so many yeah like garbage a- pale kid <laughs> oh that's a whole other thing that we have to talk about someday I hope not I'll be sick <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sick from watching that movie yeah I was gonna say, that movie's pretty disgusting this movie spawned a ton of imitators yeah you know good or bad a lot of films were inspired by this. Why does Gremlins work better than a lot of other horror movies of this 
style that that's, would be like easy to write off usually. That's what I was wondering while we were watching the movie. And I was asking you guys that like, yeah, but now I'm asking you, <laughs> you're repeating my question back to me. Um, this is called the intellectual method. Mm. <laughs> I might say it's a fun for the whole family type of film. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, little casual racism, little... Uh, <laughs> exactly. Things that you really want your children to have sink in when you show this to them. I mean, Jamie, part of what you pointed out is that it's produced by Spielberg, so it probably had a better budget than some of those other movies did. That could be part of it. Yeah, I think it's a good budget, good creature design. Yeah. It's- Gizmo and the Gremlins are very iconic. Yes. Yeah, they are they are much better designed and executed in the construction of the puppets, the way they all came out, uh, as opposed to some of the other movies I've seen where the puppets they make are just horrible. I mean... Are these professionals making this stuff? Usually no, probably. Probably not. Gizmo definitely, maybe, in if not inspired, then is very reminiscent of Baby Yoda these days. Well, I, I think that that's a yeah. Ouroboros of inspiration, because I'm guessing that Gizmo was in, is basically designed to just After be furry Yoda. Yoda. Was just designed to be furry Yoda. Yeah, that's right. So it loops back in on itself. Yeah, yeah the visual style of the monsters in this film is very, I'd say, high quality. And like I feel like there's different versions of Gri- Grismo. Of Gizmo with different expressions. Like, they put a lot into designing the creature. I do have a better sense of the characters in this movie. You want to elaborate on that? Uh, yeah. They're each more, like, fleshed out with, like, their relationships. And they all have distinct personalities, at least. No, we're talking about the gremlins here. No, the humans. Oh, okay. (laughs) The gremlins also kind of have like some distinct personalities. Yeah, they do. You're right. But no, I think that that's kind of one of the reasons why this movie works. The actual like characters are pretty interesting and there are a few weird, I don't know if missteps is the word, but like there are some odd choices in some of the writing. Yeah. But for the most part, everyone does feel very distinct. And the story <laughs> I mean, this is so true in so many movies. So it's hard to say if movies are convoluted or if it's just hard for people to write a coherent story. I gotta say. Yeah, a little from column A, a little from column B. Because even while it's a little all over the place, I can still follow it pretty easily. Yeah, it's pretty competently made, I would say. I mean, Chris Columbus is a talented writer. Having Spielberg on board to produce and stuff, and Kathleen Kennedy, too, who, I mean, say what you will about um, the direction of modern Star Wars. There's some good and there's some bad, but, I mean, you had a good team behind this film. Well, yeah, I was going to say, it's not only the writing, because a lot of it's in editing, too, and this movie was probably better edited than some of those other ones. Because you, it can be well-written and poorly edited, and then it won't make any sense. The acting is also the right balance of 
good naturalistic acting and then some over-the-top characters that work and juxtapose nicely with the creatures. Silly serious. Yeah, a little silly serious, yeah. You know what else is silly serious? You gotta tell me. Our show. I would have to agree. And if you love our show and you like listening to these episodes, but you need more, we got a solution for you. Oh boy, I can't wait to hear it. You can head over to patreon.com slash swords and satire, pay us money, (gasps) and then get (laughs) more art (laughs) for your listening pleasure. Whoa! I love that. (laughs) For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to bonus episodes like Rewriting History, which are our movie pitch episodes, or some outtakes episodes, which are pretty cool. Yeah, it's hard to pick if I like to make Rewriting History episodes more, or if I like to fuck around while we're working more and then creating outtakes. Yeah. (laughs) Both are equally good. Yeah, I gotta agree with that. And you can vote on a movie that we watch each month. That's the best deal of them all. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's the bonus episode. You have more power than the average listener. Soon all of our patrons will be drunk with that power and make (laughs) us watch Cats 2019. (laughs) That's right. You have democratic power. As opposed to your everyday transcendental power. (laughs) Eh, Power is power, I guess. So if you think that you can be an angel for us and help support the show, again, you can head over to patreon.com slash swords and satire and become a patron. I'm going to do it right now. Wait, I'm on the show. Yeah. (laughs) But hey, let's go back to our episode. So, yeah, I think this movie really does do... A good job with the writing and the character development. And I think there's one scene (laughs) that just exemplifies the amazing (laughs) character-driven plot more than any other. And that's the scene where Kate Phoebes (laughs) tells her family backstory. And before we do this, a trigger warning for the death of a parent. Okay. It's also like about depression during the holidays and she's kind of trying to explain to Billy why not everyone gets happy during the holidays because it reminds them of past traumas or losses. And in that regard, this is a fairly socially conscious film. Right. It's not something that you'd see in every Christmas movie. So guys, what happened to Kate's dad? Uh, well, needless to say, Kate's dad did a bit of a whoopsie doopsie. Is that what we're calling it? She was like, hey, uh, is Billy his name? Yeah. She's like, hey, Billy, you know how we flirt sometimes? He's like, oh, yeah, Kate. And she's like, you want to hear about why I don't like Christmas? Yeah, sure. Yeah. She's like, well, you know, there was this one Christmas where our, you know, dad was just missing for a while. And then I went to clean the chimney. He was missing for four fucking days and they didn't try to look for him or file a missing persons report. Yeah, I mean, missing persons reports tend to be like practically useless. Yeah, she's like, oh, I'm gonna 
go check the, you know, I'm going to go set a fire or something <laughs> in the chimney. And then, she, gee, this fire won't start in the fireplace. But the smell of rot and decay from the chimney and death wafted out. Yeah, when they opened the flu. Well, the flu. And so they called the cops and got their <laughs> chimney exploded, right? And uh, I didn't know that that was a service that cops offer. And they pulled her dad out, except he was no more. <laughs> he was still her dad, but he was also dead. Yes. What he had done Fuck. was he had dressed up like Santa and he had gotten all his, all the family gifts with him. He's like, oh, I know it'll be fun. I'll jump down the chimney. Head first. Head first. <laughs> so help me figure out the logic of this moment. I think he was drunk. <laughs> that's not the part I'm having trouble with. <laughs> she says that he was climbing down the chimney, arms full of presents, and broke his neck, but he was not at the bottom <laughs> of the yeah. chimney. It's unclear how he or broke he, his neck. He was not in the fireplace. She... He got stuck. Did he bang his head against the chimney so hard that he broke his neck? Yeah, she said he slipped. She said while he was climbing, he slipped and broke his neck. Also, what so chimney he... is wide enough for a man to climb down arms laden with presents? He has to have been going head first. What madman would do such a thing? I mean, first of all, going down the chimney at all. Bad news. Yeah, not a great freaking crazy. All right, I'm looking up diagrams of chimneys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These the, you you ain't like you ain't getting through this. Dude. They have a throat. Yeah. Uh <laughs> he, he, he would more <laughs> likely die of shelf. asphyxiation than maybe he broke his neck on the smoke shelf. But why was he going head first? <laughs> why was he doing this at all? <laughs> so, why didn't he Google a picture of a <laughs> cutaway chimney? None of this makes any sense. So, like, we were... I I don't know if he was actually going head first, but that's like the head cannon. She we, said he broke his neck. I was I was just imagining the family sitting in the living room and him diving head first and you just see his head smash the ground <laughs> at the bottom of the chimney the in mom, the lit fireplace. The, before that the mom is like, "Oh Kate, do you hear somebody on the roof?" Yeah. What is it? I think it might be Santa. <laughs> it is. Then nothing comes until they, so they, they wait go, four days. They go into the living room. <laughs> and his head just explodes at the bottom of the chair. What? What is that? What's happening? <laughs> She's just screaming. <laughs> I love, I love the idea that it happens so fast and violently, like the burst, that the kid can't even recognize what it was and has to ask. I mean, it's horrible, but it's so ridiculous. Like, whoever, I don't know if it was like in the original <laughs> script or like if somebody else came up with this oh, I thought you were wondering backstory if, along the way. But I thought like, you were wondering if Phoebe Kate ad-libbed it. No! <laughs> like whoever came up with this 
<laughs> is just like doesn't understand how chimneys are built. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna say I feel like this is something that has happened in real life. Probably. <laughs> are I you wouldn't serious? be surprised. Yeah. Don't try to get into a house via a chimney. That's all I'm saying. If you learn nothing else from our show, that's the big one. Simply, okay. Be nice to pets. Yeah. Don't try to climb a chimney. It, okay. If you're so it sounds like almost every excuse people have to use chimney based getting into someone's house is because they are not allowed in the home. Yeah. Like Santa. Even Santa. Even Santa. So does that mean Kate's dad wasn't allowed in the house? No, I'm pretty sure he was Santaing. He was Santaing. But the thing is, like, if for the modern Santa, he should really just like break a window or a sliding <laughs> glass door and get in. Also, it's a lot safer. Yeah. Also, all I'm saying, based on my knowledge of chimneys, is if you were climbing down in a Santa Claus costume, it would not come out red. Because chimneys are filthy. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. There's your PSA for the episode. Oh, my apartment doesn't have a chimney. It just has a Dyson room heater. And then Santa just comes out of a portal in the middle of the Dyson bladeless heater. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're here, it's time to talk about a cab. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's right. That exists in this. Well, the cops don't fucking do anything. I mean, they don't even want to be out patrolling, they are in the station just getting drunk all night. Uh-huh. They're like, hey, it's a Christmas. Then when Billy comes in and cajoles and guilts them into going out, and then they also get a call that something might have happened to the rich lady in town, they're like, okay, maybe we have to go out. Yeah, well, we have to go protect the upper class. And so... They finally get off their fat asses and drive around, and then they see two Damn. people getting attacked by the gremlins, and they're just like, wow, that's really fucked up. They sit there watching it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Sipping so, their booze in the cop car. So cops doing real praxis there, and then they drive away. Is that praxis? <laughs> Cops committing deicide on the side of the road. <laughs> deicide? Are the gremlins gods? Uh, no, they're um by failing to oppose them, they're killing God. Okay. <laughs> uh and they they just like drive away while the people are are getting attacked. Yeah, this this all makes sense. Specifically, yeah. they see the guy who dresses up as a mall Santa being mauled to death <laughs> by, like eight, by like eight gremlins. And the cop in the passenger seat's like, I don't like this. I want to go back to the station and oh, drink boy. eggnog. And then the cop that's in the driver's seat rolls up the window while the <laughs> mall Santa's running to their car for help. He rolls up the window in his face, and then they drive away and leave him there. So do you yeah. think it's this experience in this town that leads that cop in the passenger seat to become Frank from Breaking Bad? Yes, it is this. You think the cops would at least do, like, what they're good at and, like, shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> 
You'd think so. <laughs> Help me. Uh, we'll just end it fast. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> God. All right. Well, on that note, we should probably head into the smithy. It's a smithy. Oi, smithy. <laughs> That's our intro. <laughs> I think I finally understand the true meaning of the smithy. Welcome to the smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. Cass, do you want to go first and then give us your rating from one to ten sharpened candy canes? I do, Jamie. Wow, that's like a Christmas sword. Yeah. It is. So. You know, like you have at Grandma's house? Like a sharpened candy cane. My epic moment is when the old man comes back to reclaim Gizmo, uh, who never should have been sold. It's kind of like. Yes, then we wouldn't have a movie. It's kind of like the ending to Oakjaw that we never got. Like, there's justice happening. He's going back to his rightful family, and he's going back to live with them. That happens in Oakjaw. Yeah, but after it, it's much worse. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's so much sadder. They're like, "What if we eat the magwai?" <laughs> yeah. They are an unlimited food source. And yeah. what I like is he puts the white people in their place, and they just fucking sit there and they take it. They just take it. And they know what they did. They do. They do. They look ashamed. And, and they apologize a- and they mean it. Cass <laughs> loves shaming people. It was amazing. Uh, we need to see more of that. So that's my epic moment. And uh, I'm sticking to it. Now for a rating for this movie. I mean, it is fun to watch the mom. Whoa. <laughs> She, Mambo. Mambo. Like, which is like Rambo, not like a dance. <laughs> yeah. That is a dance. Um, no, no, but I'm talking about mom being Rambo. <laughs> okay. Ramambo. Mambo. That sounds more like a dance. Yeah, yeah. Um, They try to make it like a wholesome neighborhood, and I just couldn't see doing? it. It's like a hellscape. So, yeah, and I mean, it's... It's racist. Uh, the design of the uh, the puppets is cool, like we were talking about, and that that works. Um, I think like it's unintentionally like a tragedy, <laughs> like in the literary sense. The gremlins try to rebel against their human oppressors, and they're brutally stamped down and murdered by all the humans. Oh, boy. And that has implications for our parallels we drew earlier. Uh, so I like drawing. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 uh, sharpened candy cane swords. Because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> That's fair. What about you, Jack? Do you want to give us your epic moment or feature and then give us a rating from 1 to 10 sharpened candy cane swords? Yeah, I'm still thinking about uh, names for uh, the spinoff movie that the mom would be in. 
Mambo is good. I was thinking Mominator. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually did not stem from thinking about the Terminator. It it started as Dommy Mommy. (laughs) Of course it did. And then it went to Dominator Mom, and then it went to Mominator. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. What are some other good titles? Um, Rise of the Mom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> interview with a mom <laughs> mom wars yeah oh i like that mom's out mom's out mom pool <laughs> Mo- is that like ponty pool deadpool. i was thinking deadpool oh deadpool x moms that's a porno name do you have an epic moment yeah oh in this film maybe Jack's epic moment is coming up with mom movie, like, names. Okay. Yes, I have an epic moment. And I hope it's not problematic. I know it is, but it was, for me, the most enjoyable part was when we got the gremlin bar scene. and there That are... was going to be mine. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it's a good scene. It's a good scene. When they're all just like partying in the bar, it's specifically when they zoom in on the one with the glasses and the hat. <laughs> it starts playing jazz. Yeah, it's playing like this smooth, cool guy jazz. He's like smoking a cigarette. He's sitting in like a dark corner by himself, yeah. like making him seem really badass and smooth. I'm just like, this gremlin fucks. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so much. The focus on this one is longer than the other ones. It's almost like its own mini film within the film. It's true, because there's so much chaos happening around, and he's just having this cool, collected moment (laughs) by himself. It's so jarringly different. I'm like, God, I hope we don't go back to the rest of the normal movie and we just get archetypal gremlins. (laughs) He puts his cigarette out. Stands up, walks out of the bar, and the rest of the movie is just following him going down the street, like interacting with other gremlins. I want it to be—he's like a PI. Exactly, exactly. I want it to become like a gremlin noir. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! I would watch the shit out of that because there's already like a femme gremlin that could be the femme fatale. Oh, yeah, yeah. She did look like a femme fatale. Exactly. And then when that subplot resolves, we just (laughs) hop right We jump right into Phoebe Kate talking about her dad dying. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty epic. So I'm going to have to give the entire film within a film. Dude, instead what we got is that (laughs) ends with some unhinged lunatic gremlin coming up with hand puppets and trying to have the hand but would talk right in this dude's face. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is actually happening right the now? The gremlins just cutting loose was a lot of fun. Yeah. They have such diversity of personalities. Yeah. So that was pretty fun. I liked seeing that. And the movie itself, it's pretty good. It's fun. It's got a lot of issues, but that's just because, like, we know better these days and thank goodness we know better (laughs) yeah well but there are a lot of fun gags in it the creatures are unique it is iconic yeah it is 
And it doesn't blow me away. I don't think it's like a, oh my God, I'm so looking forward to seeing this next year. But like, I know I'm going to see it again. And I think I'm going to have a good time seeing it again. Yeah. So I'm probably going to give it a six out of 10. Oh, wow, not bad. Sharpened candy canes. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's a little better than okay. But it's not like an instant classic in my mind. So like, looking forward to seeing it again. Six out of 10. Nice. What about you, Jamie? What is your epic moment and or feature in rating out of 10? It's okay to repeat epic moments or features. And we're talking Never. candy cane, sharpened candy cane swords. That's right. Well, I'm glad you asked because I definitely have one picked that I'm ready to share with you guys. Great. Is it Mambo? I'm going to have to say that my epic feature slash epic character is Billy's mom. Okay. I have nice. got to know her backstory. I was just like, <laughs> okay, so let's rewind a little bit here. As a kid, I loved Gremlins too. Just fucking loved it. Gizmo being Rambo, awesome. There's a sweet Gremlins 2 video game on the NES that I think might still hold up today. Great action game where you're going around and you like collect the new weapons and stuff, and you eventually get the flaming paperclip bow. Uh, it's just wonderful. Well, we are eventually going to watch Gremlins 2 next year. And Gremlins 3 when it comes out. Oh, shit. But I'm not sure that I saw this movie as a kid. If I did, it was not one of the ones that I like knew well or that watching now... I'm like, oh, I remember all these things. Like, I'm pretty sure I saw this movie for the first time maybe like five years ago. Oh, wow. And it's just like coming at it from number two. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised knowing that sequels rarely have much connection to the first film. Yeah. Or they just completely retread the first film. Obviously, Gremlins 2 is in so many ways nothing like this film. And I think that just I didn't really know what this movie was. When we were watching this movie, I realized so many of the scenes I had in my head were actually from the second movie. That's and there funny. were like major parts of this one that I just hadn't remembered. Yeah. Like the end when the he the old man reclaims Gizmo. <laughs> I was like, what? Actually, what the actual fuck? <laughs> but so <clears throat> something that definitely stands out to me is Billy's mom, who apparently in another life was a Blackwater mercenary or something. And when she sees those gremlins in her house, she's just like, nope, I know exactly what to do. I've got skills with a knife. We are good. She starts hunting them. Yeah. She goes full fucking predator on them. (laughs) Like, again, I'm not sure that the gremlins aren't the heroes of this, like the tragic heroes of this film. Yeah. Maybe I just want to frame them that way because of all the problematic stuff we've talked about. It would be better to have them be the protagonist in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now, think of it this way. Gizmo was in a cage. <laughs> okay, I right? think I know where you're going. He was sold to a new <laughs> owner. Don't like this. He yeah. was sold <laughs> to a new owner. They spill water recklessly on him. There are only three rules. And they within 24 hours... It's like, oh, don't feed your dog chocolate. It's poison. <laughs> Within 24 hours, they spill water on it, torturing him. Yeah. Yeah, it's painful. And in a self-defense mechanism, he spawns help. Now, in 
Billy's defense. Yeah. Kind of. Corey Feldman did break into his house and do this. Like, just don't ever let Corey Feldman in your house. I think is the overarching message of the story. That's right. But I'm saying these other <laughs> these other Mogwai who are more mischievous than Gizmo could be like this because they are his survival response to being tormented by water, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. I see that. Now here's the thing though. The gremlins kind of torture Gizmo. Oh and, yeah, and hate him or like resent him. Maybe they manifest based on Gizmo's hatred. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe they see him as a class traitor. Possibly, because he's like a pet now. Yeah, they're Boy, supposed to be demons. The racial themes of this movie just run deeper than I care to. I know it's true, but I'm saying that the Gremlins are a force of. Chaos and freedom. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I think you've got me sold. The gremlins are the heroes of this film, and they have a tragic end. Yeah. Except they do murder people. <laughs> that mall Santa, they might have killed him because he wasn't actually Santa. <laughs> they're, just, they're just deep in the Christmas. This guy's a dealing his they, identity. Okay, they kill the rich woman in town who wants to murder Billy's dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They kill the scientist who's experimenting on them. Yes. They kill the mall Santa who is possibly not the real Santa. Or maybe it is the real Santa. How do we know? And they're like, I've why, seen do movies you, before. why do you get to be God? Yeah. Right? That's why it's deicide. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Gremlins is the hero. I give this 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, with all that being said, I think I'm going to give this movie... Six out of ten candy cane swords. I can definitely see why it's a classic. I think it deserves its place in the annals of Christmas horror movie fame. I am concerned about the racial overtones and the implications thereof. But I guess I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't meant to be malicious. Oh, boy. It's hard That's to say. Tough. We don't know that. Yeah. I, I think that it's good to be honest about that content and to examine it through the lens that we have, but that it does not necessarily make the movie irredeemable. I think there are a lot of good qualities to the film. Mm-hmm. This is a tepid six. Yeah. <laughs> I Again, I understand why it's a classic. For an average score of 5.75 sharpened candy cane swords. There we go. That's right. Which is like five sharpened candy cane swords and one where like you bit the tip off so it doesn't really work. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, the tip broke. It's not sharp. The sixth one, it's like, well, we we could suck it down to be sharp again, but then it would be (laughs) a candy cane dagger. Right. And that's a half rating. True. All... So making all these sugary candy cane swords has uh, got me thinking. What are we watching next time, Cass? <laughs> next time, we're going to be watching a movie that the patrons voted on. Ooh, what are the choices? <laughs> you expect me to remember? I do. Uh, it was The Christmas Chronicles. Okay, that's Kurt Russell with a with his epic beard. Daddy Santa. 
Klaus, which is an animated like origin story for Santa Claus. Norm looks like a banger. Norm McDonald Fisherman. Norm McDonald is a fisherman? Yes. Then we have Noel. Norm McDonald knows how to fish? Which is a movie <laughs> about the Claus family and how they're all kind of fuck ups and it's got a bunch of comedians in it. Okay, I'm going to assume that the fourth movie is the Santa Claus. No, the fourth movie <laughs> Good. is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh my. Which is currently in the lead. So we are probably going to end up talking about that one. Yeah, but if you want us to not talk about that, you'll have to use your time machine to go back in time, get a thousand people to sign up as <laughs> patrons, and then vote on a different film. There you go. It's so simple. So is what we're going to do. I call this the time travel Santa iced. When are we going to have a Guy Ritchie heist the North Pole Christmas movie? Fuck, I think we might have to make it ourselves. Oh, and I yeah. am here for it. You know what Jamie makes himself? Memes for the show every week. I don't make them just for myself. <laughs> no, actually, you share them on social media, which is pretty awesome. That's true. And if you want to check them out, you can follow us at Swords and Satire on Facebook, Instagram, and the bloated dead <laughs> corpse of Twitter. It is not just a corpse. It is a dead corpse. Right. And uh, they're always about the movies that we're going to be watching. So if you want to laugh a little bit and follow what we're going to be covering the next week, that's where you can find out. It's a good spot. A little Christmas cheer with your family. That's right. A little Christmas cheer with your family. <laughs> and specifically, how can you amplify Christmas or just any cheer with your family <laughs> by sharing your favorite art with them. Yeah. Like, for example, your favorite podcast, Swords and Satire. We expect all of our listeners to be playing our show during whatever holiday events that they celebrate. We acknowledge all of them here. That's right. You can make poop jokes together. <laughs> you can watch the critically acclaimed holiday film Cats 2019. I thought you were going to say the Polar Express. Polar Express. Watch the movies, then listen to our show. And isn't that what it's all about? Yes. Community. <laughs> Enjoying the art you love with the people you love. Exactly. And if you don't have family to be with this holiday season, we'll be your family. That's we'll, right. We'll adopt you through your favorite podcast app. That's right. If you watch the Polar Express, we will be trauma bonded. True. <laughs> That's right. You can watch the Polar Express. Preferably don't pay for it. <laughs> the cult of the Christmas train. I'm trying to avoid telling them to steal it. Then go back, listen to our episode about it, and hear me have a complete meltdown about how much I hate that fucking movie. <laughs> and still sometimes I think about rewatching it. Yep, that's right. In order to join the cult of the Christmas train, the initiation is drinking boiling hot chocolate. Sure, you can't let it cool down. Not even one iota. Well, guys, until next time. Hail, Hail Krampus! Krampus!